Well, hello, Grace Point. We'll back that up. We'll try it again. Good morning, Grace Point. Good to have you here today. Before we dive in today, and we will dive in today, I just feel as I've talked to so many, corresponding with so many in our church that are in the room or watching online, there's a lot of our family, our church family, that's stressed, weary, and fearful. Stressed, weary, and fearful. Whether it's health-related, mandate-related, or finances. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray for those of you who, that, that's you. One of those or all of them is you. And, and while I'm praying, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If, if you're like, you know, I need that prayer. I'm just gonna ask you to stand, whether you're in the room or watch, watching online, just stand while I pray, because this prayer is for you. All right, would you join me in prayer? And if this is you, please stand. God, you know what people are dealing with and the stress and the exhaustion and the fear and things forced upon people and putting people in a corner. And and God, I just pray for those who are wrestling, who are struggling, that, that you would lift their spirits. God, I pray that they would trust in you and not lean on their own understanding. But in all their ways, acknowledge you. And may they see clearly that you are directing their path. Lord, I pray that the peace of God that goes way beyond understanding would guard their hearts and all the emotion and would guard their minds with all the what ifs. Would you guard them in Christ? And I pray that even though we're going to deal with some some heavy, deep, difficult topics today. I pray that their spirit would leave today knowing that they encountered you, experienced you, and that you are with them. May they not just know that intellectually or even theologically, may they feel it emotionally that you are with them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This series is so aptly named Escaping the the coming apocalypse, and that's my heart's desire. I love teaching God's word. I love saying, okay, this is what it means. Now, this is how you apply it to your life. And I find myself all through the series is, this is what it means, and you don't want to be here. And so this is a a challenge, and and what we're going to talk about today is not fun to talk about, but it's important uh, to teach. But while we're diving into this, uh, it's helpful for us to remember, even ask a question and look at a bigger picture. Here's the question, it's this, is that why would a loving God unleash such terrible wrath upon the earth? Why would a loving God do this? We must keep in mind the bigger picture, uh, two of God's, one of his primary attributes, which he has many, is it his mercy and his justice. We got to keep those in mind. His mercy of withholding judgment and his justice of giving judgment. God is 100% on both of those, among other attributes. And because God's supreme love for mankind 
Over thousands and thousands and thousands of years, God has given mankind opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent and to turn to him and to be covered in his mercy and grace and forgiveness. And time and time again, mankind has, you know, no way, God, leave me alone. I will do what I want to do. And Peter writes, as I'm sure he had a conversation with Jesus and get this information. Peter writes, he says, but you, talking about Christians, you, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Okay, God's way outside of time. Peter says, goes on to say, the Lord isn't really slow about his promise. Talking about his promise to make all the wrongs right, that his promise that he will judge the earth. God's really not being slow about this promise. As some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. There's a little glimpse into the heart of God, but there's coming a day that God must bring justice. And the Lord longs to remove the stain and poison and and all all the ramifications of sin. He longs to remove it from earth and to cleanse and redeem this fallen creation and to bring about a new heaven and a new earth forever and ever and ever without any ounce of sin forever and ever and ever. God longs to do that. But just as, some of you know from firsthand experience, but just as chemo is harsh because it has to kill cancer, the justice of God is harsh to kill off sin. God's mercy, God's justice. Scripture says the end times would be like the times of Noah, man doing whatever the heck he wants to do, being right in his own eyes, and we are there around the globe. And God's justice has a due date, and the book of Revelations is saying when it starts, the payment, the payment for justice is due now, is due now. God's bringing three waves of judgments a few weeks ago, we talked about the first wave of judgments, the seven seals, all those crazy things that happened. Last week we paused of really the God's giving, giving grace still in the midst of his wrath. And today we talk about the second wave of judgments, the seven trumpets. Now the seventh seal and the seventh judgment are kind of like these Russian nesting dolls, you know, as soon as you open them up, oh, there's more inside. It's like, okay, the seven seals, the seventh one, and it leads to the seven trumpets of judgments. So the scene is this in Revelation, if you've taken notes, we're talking about seven trumpets. In the Old Testament, trumpets were used in Scripture. If you understand how to interpret Scripture like we talked about, part one, you've got to look at the Old Testament many times. In the Old Testament, here's how trumpets were were used. Uh, They were announcing an important event and or... A time of war. So these seven trumpets are announcing an important event and or a time of war. So join us in Revelation chapter 8 if you have a copy of God's word. If not, I'll have it below me on the lower thirds. 
God's trumpets begin. Chapter 8, verse, verse 6. It says, Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of, of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. A second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like, a, something like not really, but a like, a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The first trumpet is a mixture, and it's a supernatural mixture of fire, I mean hail, hail, fire, and blood. Here's the contrast, hail, right, compact ice mixed with fire dripping with blood. This is a, obviously when we go through the whole seals, we talk about mankind now on earth knows this is judgment from God. Judgment of God. A third, and there'll be a theme here, a third of the earth is torched. A third, I mean, of all vegetation destroyed. All food source destroyed. Third. Third, third, third. Second trumpet. Here we go again. A third of the sea turns to blood. He says, I saw something like a mountain. When he says like, it means he's not, not a mountain, but that's the best he could do in human vocabulary to describe it. But it's a supernatural thing. Again, a third, third destroyed. Now, third of the ships destroyed. Uh, blood is not buoyant like water. So whatever's floating or sailing in that ocean capsizes or, you know, blood's not very good to run through engines, turbines, and they stop. Cargo, commerce, stopped. Naval fleets, crippled or lost. Now it's important to note as you look at some of these trumpets that there's a lot of parallel to the plagues that God brought upon Egypt because Pharaoh wanted to, you know, to not, not obey God and let his people go. And, and if, go back to, you know, Zeke, um, sorry, Exodus 7 through 11, a lot of these trumpets are very, very similar. But it's also uh, got to understand when it says a third of all the trees, all the vegetation, whatever, it's not like divided across the globe. It's, it sound, it's very clear, it's like the sea, meaning a third of like of all the oceans, a third of it, all in one area, is filled with blood. A third of this. Now, as we dive, as you dive deeper into the revelation, the, sp the focus of the attacks and the focus of all the current events is zeroing in on the Middle East and Israel and the surrounding nations. It could be that God is eliminating chunks of the earth as that focus is coming in tighter and tighter. Now, if that is true, you take the Middle East, Israel, and you flip the globe around. The opposite side of that, just to give you some context of the mass, is the third of the ocean is the Pacific Ocean. A third of the land mass is North America and South America 
And when those trumpets of judgment come, destruction happens. Just imagine the entire Pacific Ocean, no longer water, but blood. All vegetation, all trees, all grass, all, you know, ability to, to, to make food and for animals to eat and everything. It's uninhabitable. Uninhabitable. I'm trying to, I'm to give you a, mind, a, a bigger picture. Like this is on a massive scale. Massive scale. Back to Revelation chapter 8 verse 10. The third angel sounded his trumpet and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and of the, on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter and many people died from the waters that became bitter. A fourth angel sounded his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck. A third of the moon, a third of the stars so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light and also a third of the night, third of the night. Now, the, fit, the third trumpet is a poisoned water supply, a poisoned water supply. This is fresh water where people drink. We don't drink salt water. We drink fresh water. But it says like, like a star. Well, like our star is like a smaller star. In fact, like the sun would hit us, the whole you know, globe would just, I mean, the whole earth would just be gone. Uh, we, we talk about falling stars, shooting stars. Those, those are what? Meteors, right? And these meteors are, are coming and, and, and ablaze, meaning probably going through our atmosphere. And now they're, they're breaking apart. And whatever, I don't know how it happens, it goes all around. And a third of all fresh water, rivers and streams, are now poisoned. And it mentions wormwood. Again, in, in Bible study on this, where does that show up? Well, back in the Old Testament, Wormwood was mentioned seven times in the Old Testament, seven times, and it, it was a bitter desert plant that symbolized sorrow and bitter judgment. So he got, God names it. This is what's going to happen. And now a third of the water supply, drinking water, undrinkable, undrinkable. And then the fourth trumpet is darkness, not complete darkness, but again, this theme of a third, a third, a third. So uh, literally a third of our sun turns off. A third of the light of the moon turns off. A third of the stars at night go dark. So it's not like just a third of the sun diminished, you know, 33%. No, a third of it is gone. So in the rotation of a normal day, you have day and night, well, the day is a third darker. At night, it's already dark, but a third of that is completely dark. No moon, no stars. Judgment of God. Well, what would happen if a third, a big third of it, of the sun turns off and the moon and the stars? What would happen? Crops fail. Tides change drastically, water sources freeze, cattle die. Cattle die. I mean, this sounds like the worst sci-fi movie ever thought of. 
but the worst is still to come. In fact, in verse 13, I have it on the screen here. John, he goes, as I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying midair call out in a loud voice, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not like, oh, cool, cool, cool. It means warning, warning, warning to the inhabitants on the earth because the trumpet blast, trumpets blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. Now, if you look at the first four trumpets, the target of judgment is the earth itself, land, water, animals die. Now man is affected by it, obviously. A lot of people die in, in those judgments falling from heaven or they're out to sea and they can't ever come home. Or water supply, drinking water is gone. I mean, mankind is affected of it, but the focus of the judgment is the earth itself. But the fifth trumpet and the sixth trumpet targets humanity. Humanity. Especially those who are not followers of Jesus. Look at Revelation chapter 9. It is about to get crazy weird. Chapter 9. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet. And I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. And when he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given powers, power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth, of the remaining grass of the earth, and any plant or tree, but only those who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not allowed to kill them but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. And during those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. Fifth trumpet, we're talking about demon locusts. Demon locust. This trumpet of all the trumpets is the most detailed, a lot more verses. There's, you know, verse 7 and moves forward about five verses of describing what they look like. And, but it's very detailed, probably because it's one of the most significant of the seven trumpets. And the star is not a star from the galaxies coming like a meteor, it, because it's given a name, he, he. So it, in verse 11, it actually gives who the he is, who's the star that was handed the keys. Verse 11 says, they had a king over them, the angel of the abyss, meaning the leader of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, that is, meaning, that is destroyer, capital D. That is Satan himself, the destroyer, who has handed the keys to the abyss, 
the abyss. The abyss in New Testament is the bottomless pit that we would you know, kind of refer to as hell. The bottomless pit. Now, if you do a study of the abyss in the New Testament, there's a lot of, of scholars that, that say you know, this, the location sounds like is the center of the earth. Scientists can only go down a few miles, don't know what's beyond that. But we do know in the center of the earth, because we live in the Pacific Northwest and all these uh, incredible mountains, what, are they, what, what also are they? Volcanoes. We know what comes out of volcanoes. We know all the lava and all that sort of stuff coming from the earth. Yellowstone, all, all those are little, little signs. It, but if, so if it is the center, that's the, where the abyss is. The bottomless pit, if you're in a sphere, you, you go to the bottom, you actually never get to the bottom. You're just doing this. There's no bottom in a sphere. The abyss is the place of the souls of unrepentant unbelievers. It's also the place for the really, really bad disobedient demons, the worst of the worst demons. Not all demons are in the abyss. The abyss is like, like a prison. They can't get out unless permission is given. Because most of the demons roam the earth looking to possess or oppress human beings. So in the abyss, it's the worst of the worst. Now the pit is opened and the worst of the worst come out. John calls them locusts, not like locusts, but locusts. Clearly, they're not the little bugs who eat vegetations. This is a demonic creatures. Demonic creatures are coming out. But we notice in this little portion of Scripture that God is still sovereign. God is still in control. He gives permission to Satan. God holds the keys to the abyss. He gives permission as you, you may open it. And he also gives guardrails, boundaries of that these demons cannot kill people. They can only harm people. And in that, there's conditions that you can only harm those who don't have the seal of God on their foreheads. We talked about that uh, last, last week. That is the 144,000 and the evangelists and the people that are trusted in God. They have this seal on their forehead. Uh, later in Revelation, it says it's the name of God Almighty and Jesus Christ. They are followers of God in this tribulation, tribulation saints. So these demon locusts have permission to, to, to just create havoc and harm and pain, but to those who have never surrendered to God. Now, you got to understand something about demons. Don't, don't do a deep dive in demons. It's not worth the time. Just enough to know that they are real. There is power. God is greater. Jesus Christ is greater. They are, you know, underneath his, his, his thumb. But th they're serious. But demons hate human beings. John 10, 10, Jesus says, talking about the father of lies, Satan who is the, the king of all these demonic fallen angels. What does Satan want? He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. 
And so when we're under the oppression of Satan himself, often used by demons, and there is real oppression, and I've seen in the 25 years that I've been here a rise in demonic activity in Kitsap County. We have sent people to homes and apartments that the doors are closed in the middle of the night, sounds, things are moving in the middle of the night. There's oppression, uh, something happened. And, and I tell you, that's why I don't watch movies that have darkness and demons. I, I, as a Christian, I'm like, I guard my heart because and I, there's been even, we had year, years ago in my office, a, a man who was possessed who came to a Christmas Eve service and the entire service, he saw the cross in the old, old room and he was, he was losing control in the balcony. His wife was a Christian and then he tries to kill her and strangle her and all this sort of stuff. And every time she would actually bring the cross out, he would freak out, get angry and, and he was possessed. And in my office, and I had several pastors one guard in the door. I have some, you know, some, you know, replica swords from, you know, from the first Persian Gulf that former students were, were in that first raid. And I put all those weapons away. And in the next office, I had a bunch of elders praying. We shared Christ. And when he prayed to accept Christ, it's like all the air went out of his breath and on my on my couch, and all of us are looking, and we're like, what in the heck is going on? And, and then he goes, I, I said, what's happening? He goes, they are leaving. They are leaving. So I, I don't say that just like, ooh, that's really cool. No, it's freaky. But it's real. So when, when, God, when Satan allows his demonic be, beings to mess with us, as a, as a Christian, they cannot, you know, they can't possess us because Christ and the Holy Spirit is with us. But they can't oppress us, oppose us. And their goal is to steal, kill, and destroy anything good in your life. Demons hate human beings. So God, because he's God, allows Satan, here's the key to the abyss, you can open it up and here comes smoke and fire and I mean all, a bunch of stuff. And they go around for five months torturing human beings. Because that's their desire. I, I got permission to mess with humans. Okay, I can't kill them, but I'll do everything up to that line where they want to die, and they cannot die. They want to die, but they cannot die. Now, I don't often mention the, the title of the sermon, but today's sermon is titled, Hell on Earth Arrives. And we're given a glimpse in this passage that other New Testament passages back up of hell. The forever abiding place of Satan, his demons, and every unrepentant soul that rejected Jesus. Fire, smoke, it's not figurative. Jesus, when he talked about hell, he talked to hell more than he talked about heaven. And it was like, you do not want to go there. If your arm offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. And they're like, oh, that's gross. And it's like, do whatever it takes. You don't want to go there. A place with fire, smoke, tormenting pain. And hell is a place where you can't, they cannot die. I cannot die. And God limits, like this paralyzing pain, like a scorpion sting, 
limits it to five months. And it leads people that, to want to die, but they cannot die. A lot of stuff I read or learned is like, well, either they're in so much pain they can't follow through with suicide, or when they attempt suicide, the gun doesn't fire, the poison doesn't kill. I don't know, but it, this, is, this is intense. And the question is, well, where's God's mercy? Seriously? Where's God's mercy in this? Well, look at options. They have five months of torture, but then a chance to repent afterwards. And most don't, as we'll see. So yeah, there's five months of torture compared to eternity. There is mercy. Now again, 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 again. from, From this point back, all the way to the time, God's timeless, but creation of the earth and mankind and all that. God's patient, God's patient, God's merciful, God's merciful, God's graceful, God's graceful, God's forgiving, God's forgiving, God's loving, God's loving, God's loving. And there is a brief blip of time, seven years of tribulation. And then he deals with it. And then forever and ever of no sin, love, joy, peace, harmony, forever and ever and ever and ever for those who trust in Jesus. So if you look at the big picture, God is a very merciful God. And grace upon grace upon grace. But when justice comes, like I said, just like chemo is harsh to kill cancer, God's justice is harsh to take care of sin. Revelation chapter 9. Let's move on. Verse 13. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet. And I heard coming um, from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. It, it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this, very specific, ready for this hour, very hour, and day, and month, and year, were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. John says, I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and the mouths, out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. The, a third of mankind was killed by the, three of, by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their, in their tails, for their tails were like snakes having heads with which they inflict injury. And John's doing the best he can to describe these incredibly out-of-this-world, freaky, scary creatures, really the angels. And what it actually is, the sixth trumpet, is an army of death angels, death-fallen angels that have been waiting for a long time to the very hour and the day and the time they were released to rampage earth to kill. They were blocked with the previous trumpet. Now they get to do what they've always wanted to do because they hate mankind is to kill them. Regardless, the fourth seal, 
few weeks ago, took out a fourth of the population and the sixth trumpet wipes out the third of the remaining population. Now jump over to Revelation chapter 11 for the seventh trumpet. Chapter 11, verse 15. This is, this is more of a declaration, it's not a, not a judgment. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within its temple was seen the ark of his covenant. Indiana Jones was not there. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe, severe hailstorm. This is the seventh trumpet is a victory warm-up. Is a victory warm-up. Now, some of you may remember the last Super Bowl complete blowout victory. Some of you may remember. Seahawks 48, the Denver Broncos 9. I won't tell you what team had the most dominant victory in Super Bowl history. <laughs> but that, that game, the Seahawks-Broncos, game was over before the fourth quarter started. Right? Anybody remember the, that? You remember that? All right. It was over. But time was still on the clock. This is the seventh trumpet in heaven. They're like, finally, finally the wrath of God has come upon those who are destroying the earth because of sin. Finally God is, is bringing justice to what the prophets foretold and they were killed for it. Finally there's justice for those who have trusted in the name of, of Christ. Finally the earth is experiencing the power of God with his wrath of making right, finally, all the evil and wickedness that our earth has been bleeding out for thousands of years. Finally, it is basically, yeah, there, there's still time on the clock. There's still seven bowls of judgment and then there's Armageddon and there's all this sort of stuff. But the game's over though. Satan has defeated. He's known that from day one. It's about time. That's kind of what that trumpet's about. Now, last week we gave you a, a glimpse, taught about kind of the heart of God throughout the course of all of human existence. But the heart of mankind is revealed in this whole section. Here, here's the heart of mankind. Back to Revelation chapter 9, verse 20. With all these trumpets, with all this craziness, 
A little glimpse into the heart of mankind. It says the rest of mankind, those who are, have not trusted in Christ, they don't have the seal of God. The rest of mankind who were not killed by the plagues still did not repent. Meaning they had an opportunity after those five months of demon locusts, they still did not repent of the works of their hands. And we get a little glimpse of what's happening in the tribulation. They did not stop worshiping demons. Now, before I move to the next verse. In Revelation, you got, we talked about the, the, the time where the church is captured out, snatched out, raptured out. And when believers leave, they leave all of their positive moral influence. I mean, as imperfect as we are, believers walking with Jesus influence in a positive way their own lives their own families friends workplace you know country that positive moral influence is gone at the same time the holy spirit and second thessalonians saying has been holding back been like holding back like the, a dam of wickedness and evil and when the holy spirit leaves wickedness and evil like this earth has never seen comes about and in revelation the and we already have witches and, you know, Satan followers and worshipers and all that. And that's becoming more prevalent. But it's on steroids of worshiping demons. And even with all these plagues, they have opportunities to repent but refuse. Verse 21. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. I mean, sin has always been bad. Wickedness has always been present. Evil. Some people don't realize that there is actually evil in the world. We're seeing it like more in our lifetime than ever. Without the Holy Spirit, without the positive influence of, of believers, this world in this time is so horrifically evil. that they deserve the wrath of God, as gracious as God has been. Again, last week we talked about the heart of God, the nature of God, the DNA of God, even in wrath, one word, grace. 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 What we're seeing here, we've seen really all since human existence, is mankind's heart is sick. Is sick. Jesus, uh, I mean, uh, God Almighty said in Jeremiah, let me tell you what, what man's problem is. This is what God said. He says the heart, man's heart, is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Now, in our culture, sick means cool, you nailed it, you're killing it. No, it means desperately wicked, that it's that sick. Who can understand it? That's why, you know, just follow your heart. No, 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 don't do that. We, we are so deceived, even in a loving relationship, man, if, if everything that was in our heart was, was, you know, like on a screen above our head when we're talking to our family and our wife or whatever, if, if everybody really knew sometimes what we, we think, we're like, man, you, you're sick. God goes, yeah. That is the nature of man. Contrast that to the nature of God of grace. Escaping the coming apocalypse. It's not fun to teach, but it's important. 
Next week, we're going to kind of look behind the veil, behind the mask of Satan and this person called the Antichrist. Some of you said, thank you for saying last week that the, that the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. I will explain that in much greater de- detail next Sunday. It's not even in the hemisphere. We'll explain what that means next week. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your grace in the midst of wrath. But God, as much as we love the loving aspect of you, we also need the justice part of you. And you have withheld divine justice for so long. So when it comes, it is harsh. It is thorough. It will be complete. But thank you, God, there's coming a day where it will end and never, ever have to be used again. Open our eyes, open our hearts, draw people to you in a relationship with Jesus for what he did on the cross to pay for our sins, to pay for all of the wicked heart that we have. You loved us enough to do it. Draw people to yourself in and through this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, If you are guests today, Thank you for not walking out, but we're glad that you're here. We, again, we just want to teach God's word in a lot of different ways, a lot of different um, avenues. But we thank you for being here. If you're a guest today, please go to guest services. We have a gift for you just for being here. Um, just say, hey, I'm new, I'm visiting, and uh, we'd love to give you a gift. May God bless you. pray that you would be praying this week. As we prepare, we're already prepared, but we'll teach it next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you.